First, in order to receive these teachings properly, we should set our mind in the noble disposition of bodhicitta, thinking that we are studying, practicing Dharma in order to bring each and every sentient being throughout the infinity of space to utterly pure, most perfect and most precious enlightenment. In our study of Dharma, we are looking at this text called Pointing to the Dhammakaya. And within that text, we've reached the section on deep insight meditation, Vipassana. ตาเตหะกกกบาเรเตหะมากอนะเพนโทเมบาเรเปนานะมะฮิลาอ่าโดจิพานอนะบุชิบุชิโยนะโคโรงโดจิพานอนะบะฮะมากอนะ这都是怕人的，别说有吧，没得，当有吧，没得，别得见到，容个三个见了呢，他让同的呢，他，去当这个，你是见了呢，对，有有吧，没得，对，有吧，对，他让个，到这些，这这些，对，我妈说呢，对
this actual nature of our very own minds, its innermost nature, then the benefit will be very limited. We need to get that understanding, especially in terms of this practice. If we can't reach understanding, then there is no benefit that's attained. We could make an example for this. We could say it's as though somebody had a most precious diamond, but they don't know they have it. It's amongst their belongings, it's in the house where they live, but they have no idea that it's there. They've never come across it. And so even though it's the most precious diamond, it's of no benefit to the person at all because they don't know that it's there. Whatever we call it, this deep insight, vipassana, this nature of mind, this nature of all things, if it's not discovered, no matter how precious it is, it's of no benefit to us. Yesterday, they gave us some meditation instruction and advice, and that was the first step in enabling the mind to become aware of itself, to examine itself, to see how it really is. Now, although how the mind is has been written about in texts by great masters, although we can read that, and we've probably read it, it's of no or little benefit to us, because unless we actually discover that directly for ourselves, then it just remains as words and ideas. It's the actual discovery by oneself, for oneself, in one's own mind, that makes all the difference. And the only way to discover is through actually doing the meditation practice. If we don't do the practice and do this exercise of actually discovering, then even if we've read the answers, even if we believe the answers, there won't be that much benefit at all. It's the actual first-hand discovery through meditation which makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. 
Senoni Yapochi, Hakoso. So if you remember, there was quite a bit of advice given for how to look at the mind. And the way we started yesterday in the first topic was looking at the mind when the mind is settled, focused in shamatha meditation. And although there were much advice, it boiled down to three things. First, how is that mind? Second, where did it come from? Third, where does it go to? How is it? How does it come about? How does it actually emerge? And when it's gone, how does it go? Where does it go to? Now, if, uh, if there was the opportunity to do this ideally, then this first stage of looking at the mind in shamatha, um, as we've seen, basically it's asking questions. It's not asking intellectual questions, but very quietly the mind is wondering or is being aware of how it is, where it came from, where it goes. It's, a, it's a, an investigation, it's a questioning, but not an intellectual questioning, a direct questioning on the spot. Now, this is actually supported in the ideal practice by a master-to-pupil questioning through a very precise series of questions, where first there's one question that's asked, and... Uh, and Sorry, we were having a giggle. It doesn't. It's quite frustrating for people listening to talks. I know from my own experience. But uh, when this happens on a one-to-one basis, it, it's uh, quite interesting, amusing. It puts people on the spot. It's a very intense thing. On the basis of that one question, then the person has to find the answer. When the answer is clear, then because they've understood that, you go on to the next question and the next question. This is how the actual development happens. Right. 
Sondi yo, gidi yo, sondi yin, tenha de na. Tenha sondi karita uyo hako mire. Tenha uyo ngarong, ta shosha chenpo gwan le yin, se de de na. Injire, ta ronsa yo de de injire, kong yo, mara de de zita le injire, tenha de na. Tenha pia to mire. Sondi chenpo kiwa pa mare. Tenha na na, maroso tsi-tsi re, tang-tang re. Tenha, tsi-gu no ni, mong po sung yo pare. Pena Nelayan Korong kemajuna, di mana tu kita pentol yoga bara. Korong ini, tan niat itu tan di mana tu suka na, tan ini niat itu pentol. Di mana, mana tu minko ni pentol yoga bara, mana ngohi ni pentol yoga bara. Di mana wujud, ngaruh tu minko ni pentol beri. Tangan yang lemajuna, ini tangan rongo, mana tu, mana suka, tan ini niat pentol, tan dah wujud. Tang gong ni, tang hina, tadi uni nyamupat nunggalah pembari. This questioning and the questioning of the practitioner by the master is is a vital thing. It's very real and it's indispensable. Thinking about the mind, knowing about the mind from books is of no use. The person has to actually meditate. They have to speak very honestly about what they've discovered, their experience, whatever it is, found, not found, like this, like that. And then the master, on the basis of what the person says, then needs to ask more questions. But you can only know what next questions to ask based on what the person has discovered or not discovered. It's a very... Um, organic evolutive process it's not just a, an order of questions out of a book that everyone does um, it depends entirely on the answers on the discovery of the practitioner this is how it really happens and there's no way that just words and ideas can substitute for that process not, not at all for instance, he gives a couple of examples if we sit and we meditate on uh, oh yeah, sorry, before that he said words and ideas are one thing actually mastering the mind binding the mind is another thing doing it in reality is very different from knowing about it or thinking about it so to give an example uh, if we meditate on Buddha Shakyamuni then people can just sit and you say okay, meditate on the Buddha so we have a vague sort of idea of the Buddha, some vague image. And it's not really meditating on the Buddha, it's dwelling in some vague abstraction of the Buddha. To really do it properly, then we need to study the details of how are the Buddha's eyes, how is the Buddha's shape of the body, what are the robes, how do they hang, every little detail. Then afterwards, when we meditate on the Buddha, there's a very, very precise image 
of Buddha Shakyamuni. Then it becomes visualizing the Buddha with all of its benefits, the 32 marks and so on. Otherwise, you're just resting in a vague abstraction of the Buddha, meditating on the Buddha. It's not a precise meditation. To give another example um, of medicines, if we know the names of hundreds of medicines and what diseases they treat, we know the names of hundreds of medicines and what diseases they treat, but it's not actually benefiting our body one bit, just knowing the names. If we need to know how sick we are, what sickness it is, to actually take the medicine that corresponds to that sickness, then there's some benefit. Otherwise you can know the names of thousands of medicines, you won't be any the healthier for it. So when it comes to this meditation, we need to actually ourselves discover our mind, not through words and books, but through the direct experience, the vivid experience of the mind, through ourselves questioning how it is, and through this being stimulated by the teacher putting us on the spot through questions to which we have to find answers, and then on the basis of that, developing it. ネパ、ネパ、コロンゴヒレ。ネパ、マンパチギギャンゴヒ、ほれ。ペナガロンソゴマシントンガナ。ガロンガガロントンムガンゴ。ガロンパトントンアラ。マカリンダウギテ
is occurring. That mind is being recognized. Um, if there is no recognizing, that in other words, uh, that there's the mind of shamatha. There's this peaceful, focused mind. That's the basis. And then something is aware of that. Something recognizes peaceful, focused mind. Something is aware of it, something recognizes it. If there isn't that awareness, then we can't even talk about a peaceful, focused mind. Nothing knows it. What's there to talk about? So then, when there is, as we go through this investigation, some awareness of the mind which is settled, then we have some questions to ask. First, is that settled mind, that peaceful mind, is it something that knows itself? Is the awareness of itself part of that peaceful mind? That's one possibility. We need to actually, on the spot, discover if that's the case or not. Or, is there, are there two things? One is the settled mind, peaceful shamatha, and the other is an awareness. It's an intelligence which knows that peaceful mind. Is that the case? And if that's the case, then are there two minds? In that moment, is there a mind which is at peace, one, and then at the same time, a mind which is aware of that peace, two. Another thing we have to discover on the spot. If there isn't an awareness which is separate, then it brings us back to the first point, is is there simply an auto-awareness that's part of the settled focused mind? These are the sort of questions we have to discover about the relationship between the awareness or the intelligence that's knowing it and what is being known. So are there two things, like Rinpoche's two hands, where Rinpoche's left hand is the peaceful shamatha, and Rinpoche's right hand is the awareness which knows it. Is there sort of an awareness standing in front or quite close to the um, peaceful shamatha that knows it? Is it like two things? If, there are, if it's like that, then this makes two minds. If it's not, Mm-hmm. 
你别那那你那个双击买去呢？你不买了哈？但他去去呢？新开几万呢？你不买了对吧？你过了去了没去对吧？这等你写的对了，但你干嘛忘记？但搞的搞的这样子。If there are the two, if they're not two distinct things, then there's one. If there's only one thing, then it's either a settled mind. In which case, there's no awareness. Or if there is awareness, intelligence, that's not the same as a settled mind. So if there's only one thing, there's awareness, but there's no settled mind. Is that the case? There's just one of those two. Or if not, are there two? Yeah, there. So no tongue do. Then another. 人看，韩国呢？韩国的人呢？都是你爸妈的韩国的，对，是的。对，你爸可能呢，韩国呢，你爸也把黑门的。如果呢，你爸你娘的有的，我们那几人呢？你爸人呢？你爸人就是韩国人们的，韩国人里面呢，你爸用韩国人的。等于哪呢？大三你有个哪呢？都用没得底气。第一个哪呢？等于你把有呢，还公开没得，还公开有呢，你把没得。对，当然了，嗯，关键个的。So this is what we have to meditate on. Ramachandra is going through it once again, so it's very clear. Is um, if Because we've had the experience of absorption, of just a settled, focused mind, we know that's an that's an experience possible. But then, if there's an awareness of that focused, settled mind, it's not the same as just a focused, settled mind. There's an awareness of it as well. So, are they two things, as he explained, one mind observing another mind? And if it's just one thing, then awareness is one thing. Being intelligent, sort of asking the question without putting big words in the mind, but just this very fact of a questioning, aware, alert intelligence is one thing. That's not the same as simple, absorbed, peaceful mind, is it? If there's just one thing, it has to be either absorbed, peaceful mind, or intelligence. If not, then there has to be a twofold mind. This is. Something we don't need to answer intellectually. This is what we have to then take into our meditation, observe it as it's happening, as there's a shamatha, as there's awareness, as there's a questioning of how is this settled mind, as we did yesterday. Then we have to examine whether it's two or one. Ta kasongi karilari dina kyorosu ni patu kulari ni pada kani le sutu kulari karan roti tu kulari. 那就是说，大哥弄下，没事，但多公公有劲嘞，没事，啥啦公有劲嘛的，大哥人就是说还过嘞。他那退休拿的点啦，他就俺说，就拿的点啦，光你把哥人都，哥人来工都，看着的，就是说个第一有劲。他拿的点啦呢，他他还这个几有劲，但看个，七八几，这有个吧啦，上进都不巧的嘞。但这面呢
Um, so yesterday Ramachai gave us these instructions which is mm, for the afternoon for the evening in between the sessions to go back to settle the mind and then to be aware of that settled mind to ask ourselves the questions how is this you know, is it inside, outside, have a color? All these questions. How is it? Where did it? How did it emerge? This peacefulness. And when it's lost, how does it go? Where does it go? These were the questions we were asking ourselves. He says he doesn't know what happened in each of your meditations, but that was the that was the practice that was given. So that means that since yesterday's session until today, you must have had some experience of being aware of the shamatha in your practice. That should be the case. So yesterday's job was actually being aware of the shamatha, where does it come from, how is it, and so on. Now we're taking that one step further. Now that you've had the experience of being aware of the shamatha, then there are these questions that we go over again to make it very clear that Rinpoche is just bringing out. If... There's now not just shamatha, settled mind, but this introduction of awareness of the settled mind, questioning. Then, does this make one or two minds? If the shamatha, peaceful mind, has somehow come to know itself, become aware of itself, if we think that's the answer, not think, but when we actually come to do this practice now, if that's emerging. It's a bit strange, isn't it? Rinpoche says, he always uses this example, he talks about this, this fat lama. So he says, if this fat lama is going around looking for itself or understanding yourself is a very strange thing. You can look at other people, but actually knowing yourself, examining yourself, is the shamatha, peaceful set of mind, knowing itself, well, that could be, so this is one thing we have to look into. If not, if the awareness 
is something other, then this makes two minds or a double-faceted mind with two distinct things. Is that the case? This is what we need to determine next through our meditation practice. <laughs> I really have to find it. What's going on here? What's going on with this mind which is, you know, quiet and then calmly aware of, oh, where's this quietness coming from? So, are there two minds? Is there one mind? Ah. If there's no awareness, knowing that you're meditating, then what's happening? What's your meditation? If you don't know you're meditating, what does meditating mean? So this now brings us to four main aspects for the settled mind. The three that we've had up until now. What is it like? Where does it come from? And how does it come? And third, where does it go to? How does it go? And now the fourth one is the awareness of the shamatha, something that's part of the shamatha, separate from the shamatha, so that there are two things as was just um, elaborated. This is the fourth step, is to understand the relationship between the awareness and the shamatha. That, ね、パゴンキレマレ。どうな。彼でね、2時から始めるはこまでは。で、ヒメな、2時パゴンキレマ。だ、コロンロザ、デデジレ。だ、2時パイン、3時デデジレ。だから、ペンと切ぼよばま
then it's simply shamatha, it's simply a peaceful mind. And in yesterday's talk, uh, many times it was mentioned, simply a peaceful mind is a very limited benefit. It's something that's not necessarily even a Buddhist thing, it's done outside of Buddhism. It can lead to long rebirths in other states and so on. It's simply a peaceful, settled mind. So this peaceful, settled mind that knows what it is, that is understood through wisdom or awareness, this is something very different and this is the first step that absolutely needs to be mastered. It's this awareness of what a peaceful, settled mind is through those four great questionings that then um, will bring us into the profound practice of insight, will take us on the path to liberation and starts, and then this is the beginning of real Mahamudra. If we can successfully complete those four investigations, then we'll have mastered Mahamudra as far as the peaceful mind is concerned. So really and truly this is something that we have to do. It has to be done. There is no other way than by doing the practice, by doing the practice assiduously until the answers emerge in crystal clarity in our own mind. There's no other way than that. And um, we could do a hundred times, we could go through a Mahamudra course such as the Ocean of Certainty, a hundred times we could go through a course such as this on pointing out the Dharmakaya. And if we just leave it vague, if we have some vague notion of, in this case, the shamatha mind, how is it? Something based on what we read in books or a bit of experience we've had but not much then we'll never change. We can go to a hundred courses. A hundred of these courses, or the other courses. We could um, meditate with a hundred brilliant masters and take Mahamudra teachings, but unless and until we actually do that work ourselves and go through it and go through it and 
let the mind be aware of itself until the answer is absolutely recognized, clear as crystal, no doubt about it, then uh, there'll be no progress. This is, this is so true. There's no other way than by the practice. Actually, in the Kaju tradition, uh, there is not a definite order in learning shamatha and vipassana. It depends, uh, depends on the person. Uh, for some people, we actually start with vipassana, and then on the basis of the insight, the vipassana, the deep insight, then afterwards they need to refine their shamatha to build that up as a support for their development. For other people, they need to start with the shamatha and build that up um, bit by bit, and then the insight comes along on that basis afterwards. <laughs> What's the reason for this? Well, um, when the uh, vipassana comes first, when the insight comes first, this is the case for those of uh, best faculties, very gifted or very, let's say, ready disciples, uh, practices. And so in that case, because of their readiness, the way their mind is, then uh, it's quite possible for the teacher to point out, to help them discover, to recognize the nature of their mind very quickly. And it will be a waste of their time to make them labor through shamatha meditation because actually developing mental quiescence, peacefulness, can take a long time because of the nature of the work that needs to be done with thoughts and emotions. And it's possible that someone who is the finest or the most prepared of people, that the pointing out comes first. And then after that, it needs the development of shamatha because shamatha does its own work. It's a very, very vital support, a useful support for the insight and for further work on the mind. So then the shamatha training comes second. Even though that's the case, we can't really call it just shamatha anymore. It's not just like raw shamatha that we do as beginners because that shamatha is being done with the accompaniment of the insight that came through the pointing out and so on. So that means it's not 
the same as shamatha that we do in the dark without understanding the nature of mind. If we come to whatever the word is, the medium or the average practicer, the normal practicer, um, then if there was a pointing out, if that could happen, in theory, but it can't. Um, if it were given at first, if one went through the procedure, it wouldn't have any benefit. It, the mind's nature couldn't be recognized because that mind is not ready. It's also too busy. It's too unsettled. So even if the procedure would be gone through by a master, it wouldn't hit home, it wouldn't produce its results because the mind isn't ready. And so to make the mind ready, then first there's some training in shamatha, so the mind becomes settled, it finds some peace, and then, whenever the time's right, then the master can give the pointing out and proceed on from there. Uh, the Buddha's teaching is famous for being something that's very vast and varied and can be adapted to the needs of each individual. And so in our Kadyu tradition, as far as the teachings of the Mahamudra goes, then this is the way it's done, depending on the capacities, uh, the way the person's mind works, then uh, which comes first can be adapted to suit. That, uh, what Rameteza explained, uh, gives us some idea of what's happening in the first of these main uh, objectives of developing insight, which is using the settled mind. Then 
Sondido, songe semba, camapado, la mano cuare de Mangaroco, amare. Maroco, un coat, un arroga siani, un gudu. Dona, arroso gondi di dire un arroga siani, tignonu do unguare. Dime, camapado, songe non, do show, marechi, don, maretemi, o di maris, songe, songe semba, te, te, o yo marit, non me drumadia. ペアマディアソンジエルンドショヨマレヒエドンマレトミヨマレガロンコハコアレタヨマレガロンソノバソンジピラレティナソンジエンダオチョアデテチヨアジヒヨアジガンドショメドモンドヤヒエドメドモン
they could tell us about what they discovered about the mind. Now, our minds aren't quite like that. So we have to work with the actual working material we have. We have to work with who we are, with what we are. It has to be very real. Listening to what they discovered is not going to change us. It doesn't have that much benefit. We have to find what they discovered within ourselves through this uh, using our own mind and going very thoroughly, very professionally through the work. There was something Rinpoche said earlier on, I forgot, in one of the earlier bits of the talk. He said, look, in the world we know how so many things work. Otherwise we're handicapped in the world. We know objects, we know, uh, we know how to do this, how to do that, how this functions, how to fix that. We know so much out there. But as far as our own minds go, we don't have the knowledge. So please think about these things. ตัวตะลันจวาลาลิตาเซนจวาลาลิตาเซนจวาลาลิตาเซนจวาลาลิตาเซนจวาลาลิตาเซนจวาลาลิตาเซนจวาลาลิตาเซนจวาลาลิต
we start with the mind being settled and then within that peaceful focus then we develop a thought we develop a thought we can think of a friend man, woman, person we know use that as a thought and then now that the mind is not just very peaceful with nothing happening but now something is happening there's an image, a thought in the mind then again very very similar to yesterday's technique there we try to raise an, uh, an awareness of it as it's happening not to ask intellectual questions not to be discursive about it and think about the thought but just as that thought is happening to be aware how is this? Where's it coming from? Where's it going? But how is it? Does this thought have shape and colour? Does the mind which is thinking have sorry, does the mind which is thinking have shape and colour? For instance, when if we take as an object of our thought uh, a guru, then a teacher. So then if that teacher is a very thin teacher, for instance, as we raise the thought of a thin teacher in the mind, is the mind which is now thinking about a thin teacher, imaging a thin teacher, has the mind shrunk in itself? We're looking at the mind itself that's holding the image. And then if you think of a fat teacher, does the mind swell out and become fatter to make a fat teacher or not. So as we go, there's the actual image, which is the mind is, or the thought that the mind has, but then the mind that's thinking that, does that mind itself have shape or colour? Is it getting fatter and thinner? Is it changes the mind itself changing colour? Is the mind changing shape or not? This is what we have to look into with the moving mind. Tati Nipa Yinanda and Yoba Yinanda Tata Yukarigari Lana Sang Titulo Matugo Casu Nipa Yinayon, Penangaro de Rola, Saint Nipa Sejin Nipa Jua, Tinipa de Marie, Tinipa Sonotonia Mandutata, the theatre Calica Yore, Tata Gondito. ตมายปะเซนนูนลาตะนอตุกะรีมนโทบาคินีซูกุตะกะรีอินะจินดุจิวอะดาเซนกะติตุนีปะตะเนี่ยตอลซอนนูตุนจิรีคาซูนีปะ
Um, and that's a, a fraction more subtle in some ways, is that whether it's the practices that were described yesterday for the settled mind, or what we're just starting now for the moving mind, the active mind, then this is the mind becoming aware of itself. It's the mind that we're interested in. So yesterday, when we're dealing with shamatha, in the actual ABC of shamatha, when we're learning shamatha, then we use an object like a pebble or a stone or the breath or a Buddha statue and so on as a way of developing shamatha. Uh, We're not concerned when we do this investigation, we're not looking into pebbles and stones and Buddha statues, whatever the support is for the shamatha. We're actually looking at the peaceful mind itself. Once we've used the support and the mind is settled, the mind is stable, then that stable, peaceful mind that's been acquired through using a support or whatever, once we're in a state of peacefulness, it's the peaceful mind which is aware of itself. We're not trying to be peacefully aware of a pebble, peacefully aware of a Buddha statue. It's the actual settled mind in yesterday's exercises that's saying, where did this settledness, this settled mind come from, go to, how is it? It's the same today. Uh, when we talk about the moving mind, we're not, for instance, sitting and looking around the place we're meditating in, so our mind is jumping, our visual awareness is jumping from one thing to another. We're not externalized for this practice. We're not actually going to go to a place where there's a fat lama and a thin lama and look at the one and look at the other and see what the difference is with the mind. Here we're looking at what's at the mind itself. So now, when that mind is peaceful, settled in shamatha, then we go on from there to make that peaceful mind move by raising a thought, an idea within it. As was just explained, the idea of a thin teacher or a fat teacher. And then it's this mind which is now moving, that's slightly busy, thinking, holding an image, that's the subject of our awareness that's asking how is it, where does it come from, where does it go. Where did it go? Java Kakalina, not to wrong in Jamajana, quote wrong, 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 wrong,
As the mind becomes aware of its movements, this is this investigation of the active mind, the moving mind, then what we're being aware of is how does it emerge. So first we're doing that with a thought or an idea that we have actually fabricated. First there is shamatha, and then we create the idea of a person or whatever it is. And so then we're very aware, as this is happening, of how that peaceful mind, settled, is made active. And we're trying to be aware of what is the transformation, if any, what is lost, what comes out, how does it come out, what changes from one thing to the next. We're just trying to be very aware of the process to see how peacefulness becomes busyness. And then there's a second way, is that sometimes the mind is peaceful and without us making the effort, without us actually deliberately making a thought, thoughts just arrive all by themselves. There again, we are aware as we are in the shamatha mind, peacefulness, and then as movement occurs from that peacefulness, as the peacefulness is broken by some movement, we try to be aware, how does that happen? What transforms? And, for instance, if we have some plastic, not plastic in the ordinary sense, some um, uh, movable material, we can twist it round from one shape into another shape. We can transform it like this and like that. So in the same way, how has the peaceful, this mind which was so quiet, how has it moved or twisted or transformed itself into busyness and movement? Ta dijilana Ta dijilana Kariso lorde Tuna un jiwa kya da re ni bara Nibarina, 
As we are working with these thoughts of the moving mind, the busy mind, busy is not the right word because that gives the idea of a lot of things happening, the, the moving mind, the active mind, then also we need when the thought disappears, or in fact probably there'll be a whole sequence of thoughts or the image held for a long time, but eventually when it goes or when we let go of it and then return to peacefulness, how does it go? We have to be aware of the process of the disappearance of activity and the re-emergence, or however we put it, of peacefulness. How does that transition take place? What becomes what? Is one thing lost, another thing gained? Is it a trans... whatever. We need to be aware of the process. And, um, for instance, uh, if we are thinking of a particular teacher, then there'll be that image of the mind. The mind is busy in that way, or moving in that way. And then when that particular image is lost, how does it go? If it goes into peacefulness? Or if that thought becomes another thought, how does what's happening as one thought becomes another? As always, it's not a, we're not investigating this, we're not thinking about it, we're just observing, being aware of how one thought becomes another, how one thought, the last thought, dissolves into peacefulness. Mm-hmm. Then 
In that sort of a way, then we'll come to be aware of the mind in movement. Well, when we meditate, what is there? There is the mind which is at peace. There is the mind which is in movement. There isn't any other possibility. Really, that covers all of our meditation, doesn't it? Either the mind is still or the mind is busy. The mind is moving. So, if we can become aware of the mind which is still, then in the way that's been described, then that true awareness and wisdom of the mind is elevating the the shamatha into Mahamudra practice. Then when the mind is moving, when it's thinking, when it's active, if we learn to be aware of it and bring this wisdom as described, then we elevate the busy mind or the moving mind. Gradually we're elevating it to Mahamudra, to insight. This is quite an extraordinary and beneficial way of of practicing because there is nothing other than those two, the mind peaceful or moving. This means all of our meditation time is being elevated to uh, a very noble and incredibly beneficial practice. Um, It's been said many times, but it's so true. Once there is this wisdom of the mind, then there are uh, incredible um, benefits. We're drawing... It draws us so amazingly quickly close to true results of the practice. The true results are that our mind's confusion and defilements disappear. They're taken away. Real happiness comes out of it. And the attainments of the practice, the what are called the siddhis and so on, we come so much closer um, to them. So with just these first two steps, being aware of the mind at peace, being aware of the mind when it's active, are already of amazing benefit. Nipa Once we've gone through these questions that need to be asked about the mind in stillness, and we've done it ourselves, and thereby we've found the answers ourselves. Not the sort of answers from the books, but our mind really knows, beyond all the words and ideas, it knows itself in stillness, 
then there are no more questions to ask. Once the conclusion's been found, the discovery has been made, there's no more need to ask questions about shamatha, about the peaceful mind. When we've gone through the process that was described today of understanding the mind as it moves, when it's active, then when the real answers have emerged through our investigation on the spot in meditation, once the answer's clear, there's no more need to ask the questions. As was said, when we sit and meditate, there is only peacefulness and movement. There are only those two possibilities. Once we've found the solution, once we've found the answer, there's no more need to ask questions in either of those um, areas. Now, although those first two points, remember we're looking at five ways of understanding or examining or being aware of the mind, those first two ways in themselves cover the various possibilities that can occur as we're sitting meditating. But we've still not finished the investigation. Although now we've answered the questions about the mind in stillness, and we've found the answers. Let's imagine we've done all the practice. We're imagining we're on to step three now because we've completed step one, we've completed step two. We've found the answers to the peaceful mind. We've found the answers about the moving mind. Now the third stage of the investigation is an on-the-spot investigation of the peaceful mind and the moving mind. Is it the same mind that's at peace and that then moves? Or is the peaceful mind different from the moving mind? Yeah. Well, Ramachay is showing something. It's maybe we should. Uh-huh. So he's showing his mala and he's showing the beads. So is it like one moment the mind is at peace, like one bead, and then the next moment it, it moves, like the next bead? And then we can think that just now he twisted the mala so that there are two parallel lines going on. You can see how it's twisted around? Uh, But they're two distinct threads. So is 
uh, at the same, is there a coexistence, but as two separate things of an intrinsic peace and a movement. It's like peace, still there, and coexisting with the movement. So to think is this like two parallel things? So if these are two quite distinct things, then, then uh, like the two threads, like the two lines of the mala, then uh, if they are distinct things, then we need to distinguish them one from the other. And of course, as in the first instances, we're talking about mind. It's the mind at peace and the mind that moves. Is that two minds, or is it not? Mm-hmm. So if they are quite distinct, if a settled mind is really quite distinct from a moving mind, then that gives us two minds. Doesn't it? If there is just one mind, then that covers both circumstances, then how is it? Mm-hmm. So if we think it's just the one mind that does both, then when the mind is at peace, when it's still, it's not moving. When it's moving, it's not still. They're really rather different, aren't they? Tony Mm-hmm. 
so if we can't say they're the same peace movement, then is it the case that there is the one, like peace, peacefulness, and then peaceful mind goes, and the other, a different mind, moving mind, comes? Because they're different. So the one has to die, one has to disappear in order for the next one to take its place. And then when the moving mind has stopped moving, then it's stopped being a moving mind, then that that goes, like thought, busyness, thought goes, and peacefulness, peaceful mind takes its place. And then peaceful mind goes, thought takes its place. If there are two, then is it the case that there is this one moment after another, one disappearing, another one comes, that disappears, another one comes? If it's not that there are two quite distinct minds, mind of peace, mind of this, mind of activity, then if it's one mind, then if it's the same mind that at times is peaceful and at times is active, then um, 
how does that work? Is it that the qualities of the mind, the one mind, change from one instance to the other, change from peacefulness to activity? So, for instance, um, most people in their meditation, they feel that peacefulness is good and that thoughts and mental activity is not so good. Let's call it bad for the sake of simplicity. So people will say, oh, I had a nice meditation and it was all very, very calm and peaceful. And if they had a meditation very full of thoughts, then they say that was a bad session. It wasn't a good session. Normally we think of busyness as not good and peacefulness as good. So if that's the case, if it's one mind, so if when it's peaceful it has more qualities, better enhanced qualities, then we need to actually discover what is it that's good about the peaceful mind and what is it that changes when that mind becomes busy and thinks, what is it that's actually bad, what's the deterioration. Is, is it that the peaceful mind has a nice shape and then it loses that nice shape to become a busy mind? Is it that the peaceful mind has a lovely colour and it loses that lovely colour when it becomes a busy mind? We need to actually find whatever it is that changes, that makes, makes it lose its quality. Um, we need to, uh, uh, to be aware of that. There was something else at the end. ดิรมติจุลักรสุนสุนเป็นกันนะตาเจนะจีมาเลยอันนี้นอตุนหมังมาหลอดใจได้ยินมั้ยยินมาเลยยินมาได้ยินมันดิสิรอมเนี่ย
Tindula, Pache, These are three instances, the mind at rest, the mind in movement, and then the relationship between peace and movement. Uh, If one has, through meditation, come to a very clear definite understanding of those three circumstances, then um, there will be deep understanding of oneself and reality. If somebody has not actually done that work, hasn't come to know firsthand either the mind at peace or the mind in movement or the relationship between those two, then we can say with 100% certainty that that person is 100% not a Mahamudra practitioner. It doesn't matter what else we've done or read or studied. If we haven't actually done the work that raises that first-hand awareness, then there is no way we can say we are practicing Mahamudra. What we have, most of the time, what most people have, is good shamatha. They have good, peaceful mind. They can cultivate that, but that good peaceful mind has nothing to do with 
Mahamudra. It is simply good shamatha. And so um, please think about this. Please understand this point. It's a very important one. There is an absolute need to meditate. And those three stages of meditation cover almost everything that's to do with what is inner. When we say what is inner, we mean the mind itself, rather as opposed to the the mind's perceived universe. So with those three steps, we've covered everything to do with what is inner. And in particular, that last one shows us, as we investigate the nature between movement and peace, it can throw out of the window some very important misconceptions about what is good meditation and what is bad meditation. And um, so uh, then, this is why we've used this term, you remember Mahamudra, the great seal, with the great or the maha, meaning it uncovers everything. It's not just a specific mind, some sort of state that's got to, that needs to be engineered and that's different from other things. It is a wisdom that embraces everything. It's an awareness that covers all circumstances, whether the mind is peaceful or whether the mind is busy and in movement. So this means in this practice there is no need to get rid of thoughts. Thoughts are not an obstacle. Thoughts are not a bad thing. They are something to be aware of. And then that awareness itself is the, as it develops, is the Maha Mudra. And again, Rinpoche said it several times in this uh, little bit of the talk. He said, please think very carefully about this. Please understand what is to be understood. So that's the end of the uh, formal session for this morning. And it gives us uh, a little time for some questions. Could you make a very precise question for me to ask? Because I'm not a very good Tibetan speaker. Uh huh. Dindrabo <laughs> 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 <laughs
kayena te chachanki lapsa te drangindo te ngane ke tataki shipa te nagindo te tsing drabodin drena karuche ko kundo chara ま、どんなのティティで、そうやって、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで、ティティで
the thoughts themselves become the basis for practice. Like in these three steps, number one has to be clear before you do number two. Uh, that's a Rimpa Naginanga, Rimutege Sumshin, so. Then Enjimenje Rimpa Dampo, that's a Yapu Jango Gendo, then the Yapu Jang Sasso, then the Nipala Drogo Gendo, Rimpa Yarebe. ペンあ、うん、ジャンバイオレ。ジャンバイオレ。あ、ニパトンボとヤポチヒテニニパトヒ。ヒ。ヒ。ヒ。ヒ。ヒ。ヒ。ヒ。ヒ。ヒ。
The uh, Rinpoche was holding up his hand and moving it and keeping it still and he's saying that we need to start with the mind of shamatha because it is so much easier to develop these skills of awareness uh, that in the end become pranja or wisdom. So uh, just as when the, mind, when the hand is moving it's very, very hard to concentrate on it or to, to actually see its details. And it's so much easier if you just have the hand static like that, then you can study it. So it's the same with the mind. We develop the skill of being aware, the skill of asking these questions without getting into thinking, of just in each moment being aware of what's happening from one perspective or another, that skill needs to be developed with shamatha and then it's taken to the moving mind and then we've got some chance of recognizing the moving mind. The moving mind is a much more difficult challenge because it is moving and changing. It's not one thing that we can spend the time of getting familiar with. It's changing. It's this. And so Rinpoche is giving the example of learning to read again. He says at first we need to 
learn laboriously A, B, C, C, A, T, cat, or whatever it is. But then, as you're more and more experienced, you pick up a text and you can just read through the words, saying, first preparing by setting the body in a good posture, establish property and investigative awareness. You can just, your mind stays with it very, very clearly. A beginner couldn't do that. So in the same way, we need to learn to be aware. We need to learn to develop wisdom of ourselves with a peaceful mind, and then we can carry it into the um, moving mind. And then, as was explained before, uh, we need a very, very thorough knowledge of those. We need to have gone through all the different steps of investigation with each of those, then to start asking these questions, well, is there a difference? And if there is, what is a difference? Or are they the same? And so on. And those three exercises cover pretty much all the possibilities of what is called within the inside, the mind itself, uh, as opposed to what the mind experiences um, on the outside. And there isn't any more than that. How could there be something more than our mind? We're, we're aware of our mind when we're in deep peace. We're aware of our mind when our mind is busy. What else could there be than that? So that means, by the end of it, we've acquired wisdom about ourselves, and we've acquired that that wisdom has so many um, qualities, but it needs to be done step by step very properly. And um, once the pen is dropped, once the, once the understanding has come for one movement of the mind, one thought, for instance, one of the glaciers, like, um, uh, like anger, then once we know how to be aware of anger and we recognize the nature of anger, it will be a very similar process for all of the others. We don't need to start again from the beginning for passion or for jealousy. So uh, it really gives, by a, a, this apprenticeship, one step to another, then it gives us the answers for all of the various aspects of the mind in peace or the mind in movement. I mean, after this course, if you take these instructions away. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Jab Mm-hmm. 
There is hope. <laughs> uh, of course, this means that one really has to uh, practice. And Ramesha says in these last uh, two days, covering these three points, he's given us uh, uh, most of the essential instructions for what we need to do to practice, for the things we need to think about, in inverted commas, because it's not to do with thinking, but as we investigate the mind in those three different circumstances, then, um, then the, the thing, having received the instructions, is then to very earnestly and assiduously practice and practice and practice them. In the way this text is presented, with each step there is 
the meditation instruction accompanied by the questions to be asked in the mind and then at the end of that there is a pointing out so at the end of a student's a meditator's investigation of the mind in stillness however long that takes them days, weeks, months, years, whatever it is then when they've done that work then the Lama gives a pointing out of the nature of the mind in stillness and then after uh, doing all of the work of the nature of the mind in movement then the, there's the next section is the pointing out of the nature of the mind in movements which is like an affirmation or a confirmation of what probably you'd have found by that time through actually doing the practice um, and so on for each of the five steps there, there is uh, that so Rumsey says I'm not giving the pointing outs he says that very firmly I'm not here I'm not giving the pointing outs I'm giving you the method for meditation he says anyway in the past so many people have had many pointings out so um, by the great lamas who've come but he said in fact it doesn't really matter because if the mind isn't prepared through doing this work it doesn't matter what the teacher does um, you won't get it it's only on the basis of this investigative work and this coming to understand it oneself within oneself as an intimate and very clear understanding that then the, what the Lama does in the moment of pointing out makes great sense as far as the pointing out goes then he says uh, uh, there are so many variable factors within that different masters have first of all their own degree of realization which uh, uh, varies they have their own styles of presentation they have their own traditions of presentation to which they belong and then added to that the student who receives the mm, transmission or the pointing out they come with their own particular qualities or lack of them, experience, meditation, practice or not. So it's not a set thing. It varies. Uh, the quality, let's say the quality of it can varies enormously. Uh, it's not one set thing. But anyway, to come back to your question, then Rinpoche says, uh, Rinpoche says, come back to your question, then if you really practice this, then you should, it should work it should, one thing should lead to another as you go through it question by question and then whenever the time comes that you are with because we're talking about practicing it on our own when the time comes that you do meet a master who is an authentic Mahamudra master then coming back with the experience you've gained through the meditation then the pointing out will be very uh, appropriate and timely and probably very effective so there's a uh, a lot of hope but he comes back always to saying you have to do the practice Tilly, 
he said uh, when he came over then um, it was at Akon Rinpoche's request that he gave this particular course but he made it very clear from the beginning that um, in this particular sequence of teachings pointing out the Dhammakaya that he would uh, he was very prepared to give the meditation instructions and all the stuff that comes at the beginning and to give these explanations for the uh, first the shamatha and then for what we need to think about and what we need to investigate in order to develop the vipassana but he made it very clear that he wouldn't give the pointing out because he thought there wouldn't be a benefit and it wasn't appropriate in, in the circumstances and so he said that's why the course has been the way it is uh, and then also he was requested it's a request that came from Lama Yeshe Rinpoche uh, to give some teachings about the various vows and commitments so that's why this has also been blended in with this course although we've touched on it fairly briefly it has given us some understanding of the different levels of commitment in uh, the Dharma <laughs> so Rinpoche's hope is that in the future when we meet again in the future that if he asks about the mind when it's still if he asks you about the mind when it's moving if he asks you about the relationship of these two things you'll be well equipped with answers because you'll have been looking into it <laughs> so then maybe that will be the occasion to give some pointing out if the answers look like somebody's really got to where they need to be for a pointing out but if not if it's just vague and woolly and approximative Do my best. For me, this isn't no, this isn't an easy question to ask. It, it requires a subtlety of language I don't have, but I'll try. Pena Murandabo, Gom Dindrabo, Jamna, then a Mahompa, Chiran, Chiramena, Pena de Lamache, Kakon Rimichel, Yashi Pena, Lamashenda, Drivushuna, the Samgi Kola, and the Rimpasungi Nanga, the Nanike, the 
Well, I don't know if it's my question, it's my translation skills or the question itself, but Rinpoche says, uh, uh, and I have trouble understanding this question. He says, because, uh, you know, if you're not hungry, you don't eat food. But if you're hungry, you eat. And that if it comes to seeing a teacher, if, I mean, we don't have to conjure up questions, if through our practice questions emerge about the mind, then they'll just come up and we'll ask them. You know, we'll find a, a way. We won't need to find artificial questions, but if there is something that's happened and we need some clarification about it, then we will be able to express that because it's a situation that's, um, that's come up. Otherwise, the understanding that we get is, is our own understanding on the spot. So he says, this, uh, this question is, is more of a sort of an abstract thought. It's, it's like, a, it's, or what happens if this type of question? Uh, whereas, he says, actually what happens with a teacher is an experience question. That is to say, ah, this happened, or I found this, something happens in your experience, then that's the sort of dialogue that happens with a Mahamudra teacher. And he's taking your question as an example of something where our mind is thinking, ah, what if, or how is. We're in the world of abstract thought. Whereas in the dialogue with a Mahamudra teacher, it's in the world of practice experience, something that 
tangibly happens that we talk about.